and welcome to the podcast. Thank the, you for having me. How's it going, Erin? This is Erin Hardick. She's a research analyst in the energy industry, and it's going to be a really exciting episode today because she has a lot of different information to share with everyone. And I just generally think that you're a smart person. Uh, we met at a networking event uh, here in Austin, Texas, and I thought she would be excellent to have on the podcast. I think she can bring a lot of value to the listeners, and I just think you have a lot to say, and I want to give you a voice to say it. Yeah, well, thank you, Stephen. And I think one awesome thing about the Austin community is we're always ready to be so involved, and networking is so easy if you just kind of put your foot out there and try. It's, it's pretty easy to find intelligent people to converse with and exchange ideas with. So I'm just excited to be here and have that opportunity. So why don't you tell the world kind of a general idea of what you do or, or your background maybe? Yeah, so I work with a startup located in here in Austin called Z Prime Research and Consulting. And what we do is we do some um, market analysis. We're analyzing technology trends in the energy industry. So really seeing what's hot, what's new in tech in terms of energy and how can we help utilities really implement that new technology and just try to make this place an overall better place to live, you know, cleaner, um, more friendly to the environment, more efficient, more safe, more reliable, pretty much, you know, just trying to promote the overall well-being of the city. So do you feel like sustainability is important because it's a part of your job or that's something that you kind of believe in as an individual? Well, I think it really started on a personal level. So my undergraduate degree from St. Edwards was in accounting. I really didn't have any intention of going in, into energy. And I kind of stumbled upon this startup um, when I was a junior. And I really recognized the passion of the people here. And that's when I learned, you know, I really can make a difference in the environment in a professional setting. And so that's what really made me engaged. So, yeah, I would say it's a pers on a personal level. And then it really translated over into my professional life. Mm -hmm. So how long have you been in the industry now? Uh, let's see. I graduated college about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And so two years before that. So I would say overall about three years and it's really just been completely immersive you know trying to teach myself as much as i possibly can the energy industry has been around for 100 years or so so there's no lack of information in, in terms of trying to understand the complexity of the industry so just really over the past three years it's just reading and listening and talking to people and just trying to find out information any way possible do you think you'll ever get to a plateau where you're like, you've done enough listening and now like you're really going to try to talk or advocate or do something like that? I think, I don't know if I'll plateau. I certainly hope I don't. I'm one of those people who really like strives on that like thirst for knowledge and there's always Sponge. new, yeah, there's always new people doing new innovative things with new technology. So I'm never going to be an expert on everything, but I certainly expect to reach the point um, in my career where I can just openly have conversations based on the expertise that I already have mm -hmm. in my head. And so I guess that's, that is the end game is just to benefit others based on my knowledge. And the only way to do that is just to continue. Yeah. To soak up everything. 
Or to be on podcasts and just yeah, go for it. Yeah, or to be on, on podcasts, exactly. <laughs> All right, so um, do you want to go into any, you know, specific pockets of information that you want to, like, let people know? Or should I just start, you know, one of my main questions is about sustainability. So, like, the energy industry, like you said, has been there forever. But I think sustainability and how that plays a role in it is something really important for today and for the future. Yeah, I mean, I think we should we can talk about sustainability. Austin is super unique in, in terms of promoting sustainability because, uh, as opposed to the rest of Texas, and I'm sorry if this is an offensive generalization to anyone, but Austin is unique in the sense that the culture and the people here have really bought into sustainability. The, the mood is here and people want to participate and they want to be sustainable. Whereas in other parts of Texas, there is still some hesitation, you know, because of, you know, this return on investment or, or other things may be causing stagnation for sustainability. But Austin, the community is super about it. And, and I think that's what's beautiful about Austin is it makes things easier for the regulators and for the utility industry and hopefully you know the water and waste management uh, industries to understand that the community is ready and so hopefully the programs and services that they implement will really reflect what the community wants yeah i think that uh, i agree with that statement that austin as a community is really on board they really want to you know jump on the bandwagon and not just in texas where you know as a generalization but i think other parts of the country are not necessarily completely on board with the whole sustainability movement, whether it's because of ROI or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. But I would think especially Texas, you know, where the sun is bright, solar is, you know, something that's much more feasible. I'm used to living in Illinois where solar exists, but it's not, you know, I can imagine that the ROI here is much better or here or Arizona or California is much better than we'll say Chicago, you know, for using things like solar. Right. So it kind of surprised me that, you know, all of Texas is kind of behind Austin. But I've also heard that generalization for Austin in general, where, like, there's Austin and then there's Texas. Yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to bring up um, when you talk about solar, so solar and wind are expected to provide 55% of Austin's energy by 2025. And really? As crazy as that goal seems, they're certainly on track and it's attainable by all means. So Austin is a pioneer in that sense where people can look at our city and say, hey, this is feasible, um, people are going to benefit, and hopefully we can set an example for other cities and ways to implement and, implement and fully leverage you know, wind and solar technologies. Because at the end of the day, it's just playing into sustainability as, a, as an overall goal. How far away do you think we are? Um, well, like, Austin Energy's goal is 55% by 2025, and they're certainly on track. Mm -hmm. um, if you want exact statistics, well, you can look up the, yeah. at the Austin Energy website. But um, Right, all right, okay. What else do you think is important? Uh, I think one thing that I'm also passionate about is water. Um, okay. I, I actually wrote my senior capstone paper, so it was about 40 pages on water infrastructure. And it's, I mean, if it's not, if 
it's not relevant or if people can't truly grasp how critical the water infrastructure is today and the state that it's in and how important it is for us to pay attention to it, then it's just going to get completely out of hand. Like we're going to have Flint, Michigan <clears throat> replicated in so many other cities across the nation. And that is a problem. I mean, it's clean water for people living in the United States of America. It's not, that's not a far-fetched idea. It's really not. By any means. And so you have this water that is going through maybe six different types of pipes and that may be an overreach three at least and so you have mm -hmm. clay pipes and you have lead pipes of lead and different types of metal pipes then this your water is going through maybe four different types of pipes before it even gets to your house so how can they make the infrastructure to where they know where leaks are going or where leaks are coming from what is polluting the water where yep. it's just simple simple tasks like that and i know simple is hardly a way to address the problem by saying it's, it's simplistic but the overall idea that the infrastructure needs to be up, upgraded is, is something that i find very pressing yeah it's pressing and it's something this is really funny because i actually had a conversation with uh, one of our major sponsors cleantx.org uh, we have someone new on the team and she's heavily invested in in the water aspect of this and she was i mean she's really passionate about it and for good reason i mean there's right. a lot of risk involved and i think it's something that people are just overlooking because it's not been a problem yet but could very easily and very quickly become a problem and something that's much more i mean you need water to survive you don't need electricity per se to survive i mean yes we all rely on it heavily yeah we would go crazy without it but you would literally die without clean drinking water right and i and i think that is one of the big barriers is you don't really care someone doesn't really care until they turn on their faucet yep. and they like maybe see or they feel differently from drinking their water but it isn't really until we reach that huge tipping point that people are going to get really involved and really passionate about cleaning this, this system up but we can't wait till we can't wait till it's too late right because then it'll just cost even more money and it'll take well longer. that's what i mean yeah that's what i don't get is because it is such a valuable resource and it's something that I think is going to become more and more valuable, like even, again, more so than gold eventually, because you can't survive without it. You literally cannot survive without clean drinking water, right? Right. And um, one encouraging thing is, you know, the University of Texas at Austin, they uh, are very innovative in terms yeah. of energy and water and waste management and things like that. I know that recently, uh, in the past year, they put um, like rainwater, um, like uh, systems. Those, yeah, those clean, yeah, those yeah. cleaning systems for rainwater in, mm -hmm. into their new buildings, and they plan on putting them in every new building that they build. So um, they're recycling rainwater. But I think in Austin, and um, you you are starting to see people, you know, make their little homemade rainwater. Um, System. Rain barrel system. Yeah, yeah, rain barrel system. Thank you. Barrel mm -hmm. is the yeah, term okay. I kept blinking on. And I think, you know, that, that'll be helpful, but yeah. we have to focus on the infrastructure. Like, or, we can't, everybody can have their own rain barrel system, but at the end of the day, like, the infrastructure, what's, what's happening 
the stuff coming through our pipes right. and into our homes. That that's a big that's a big deal, especially with the growing population. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, one, I don't know if people really understand or realize how much water they actually use on a monthly basis, and I think a big reason for that is because water service is always cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not your energy bill where people are conscious of turning off their lights because they don't want a $200 electricity bill. With water, it's always been cheap. So, like, it's just not on top of people's minds whether you're, like, keeping the sink on to brush your teeth or just taking a 45-minute shower just because or whatever the case is. Yeah. I just don't think it's something that's on the top of people's mind. And I hope that there's a way we can get to have it be more uh, pressing before it's, you know, catastrophic. Right. I think one way that we'll really start to see, uh, like, a revolution in the Mm -hmm. space is the way water utilities engage with their customers. And Mm -hmm. we're certainly seeing it in the energy space, you know. Um, utilities are starting to leverage social media technology. You know, they social media. What's that? <laughs> what is that? Who knows? <laughs> um, they're starting to even it, even the the jump from calling their customers rate payers to customers. Yeah, like they right. used to just be coined the term rate payers because that's what they did. They paid their rates, but now they're customers and they want to be engaged and they want to know where their money is going, how to read their bill, what they're using energy for. And I think if that can translate over into the water industry and you can engage customers and educate them while simultaneously having them pay for services, you can really increase the education on what's happening in, in water. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I feel strongly relates to recycling as well, where, you know, education is so important and while people make good efforts towards it, it's there's so many chains in the system that really prevent it from being effective or efficient or profitable or any of these things that it really could be. Yeah, and we there's a term um, that we use at Deep Prime and a lot of the industry uses is the water energy nexus. So those two things, they really are... Uh, intermingled and, and rely heavily on each other so what is that just for people out there that don't know it's, it's just the idea that you can't really have I mean you need water uh, in order to deliver water you need energy right like you need the pressure you need to be able to pressurize those pipes correctly um, to get water where it needs to be and so that that requires energy in, in and of itself so the smarter energy can become and, and the more they can uh, manipulate and use energy efficiently, the more efficiently they'll be able to supply water. So they're not necessarily um, pressurizing certain pumps at the wrong time. You know, They have more data available to know this is when this area of the city is going to be using the most amount of water. We can um, you know, predict, predict that mm-hmm. for more, more or less of a good term um, and then they'll make sure that whenever they're pressurizing those pipes that water is being used as opposed to pressurizing them pushing water through and then that water doesn't get used and they have to bring it back to the system and that costs time money and energy so it really is um, advancing technologies in both in- industries and making sure they're working together and not not siloed and- right well and I think we can use social media speaking of to really help engage people and move them for further, whether it's towards the educational aspect, whether it's towards, 
you know, giving them a platform to really make them feel good about themselves for doing progressive things like that. Uh, and also being able to tell them, you know, the reality of, instead of just getting a water bill, so, okay, last month I spent $33 and this month I spent $32, you know, that doesn't really resonate with people. Whereas if you translate that into something that they can actually understand or relate to, I think you'll start to see more of a shift or, you know, some kind of movement to do, to do more to really get their water bills down. Not their bill, not the dollar amount, but like the usage. Right, consumption. Um, that technology is certainly there. It's how do they how do they implement it into the system and it's um, beneficial for operations and customers because it's not gonna be too long until your water bill will tell you if your washing machine is using the most water or if your dishwasher is what's mm -hmm. using the most water. So maybe you know, hey, don't run my dishwasher between three and five because right. that's when peak demand is and it will cost me more money. Yeah. Things like that. It's that technology is there. Smart it's technology. it's how do they yeah, how do how do they make it mutually beneficial for customers as well as operations and uh, do you think, think that's part of the water company's thing? Yeah, I, th I mean, I think it goes for you, really utilities across mm -hmm. the board, gas, electric, water. Um, it really is just that change in customer engagement uh, and the willingness to have the customer be an active participant in their usage of whatever it is, electricity, gas, water. And um, I think that's what we're really starting to see that shift because because consumers these days are so much more informed than they ever have been. Ever. Because of, you know, technology. The internet, and, yeah. Yes, the, the internet. And Information at your fingertips. Exactly. No matter where you are. So it's how do we, how do we all work together and, and make this, this thing happen? What do you think? I don't know. I, you know, I really like, I like the direction and customer engagement is going mm -hmm. these days. Like, I yeah. Based on the research we've done at Z Prime, it is a primary focus for most utilities is engaging customers. There is an um, electric utility out of Chicago, Commonwealth Edison, and they actually allow um, their customers to report power outages via Twitter. So they can say, hey, I have a, I have a power outage, and, and the sense. utility responds out that way. So that is just one example of leveraging social media to improve yeah. operations. Well, I mean, that's how the majority of the world gets their news anyway, like mm -hmm. up-to-date, current, second-by-second -second news. But I'm sure that's ludicrous to a lot of people what you just said. I mean, you just had to say, oh, in Chicago they do that. Like, it's some crazy thing that Chicago's doing. Right. But they're probably pretty sp I mean, I wonder how effective it's been. I'll bet it's been Incredible, and, crazy effective, and you, their approval rating really has just gone through the roof because <laughs> of it. And it's and I'm sitting here from the millennial standpoint, right? Of yeah, saying, well, well, duh, right? Like, but it it when you take a step back and say, social media hasn't really even been on on the horizon or really up on that list of what do we do to engage customers and until like the past year and a half, two years ago, yeah, maybe, really. Right. And so I'm sitting here thinking, thank goodness, this is finally finding its way into the operations of utilities because it, the opportunities just seem endless. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And you know, 
it's really, I think, going to push the world forward in the next 10, 20 years as we get... I mean, it's not slowing down. It's not like we're we're at this point where, oh, this is as good as it's going to get. I mean, every year that goes by, technology is going to start to take over yeah. more and more and more of your yeah. everyday lives. From your clothes to your glasses, Snapchat glasses, you know, to your nest that or this system that you're talking about where it's like don't use the water system except for these these and these times and then tweet about how awesome it is that you saved money and how eco-friendly you are and how much you recycled this month and all that stuff i mean people love going on instagram as it is and just like taking pictures pictures of them doing stuff that's great yeah uh you know, I can just envision them getting behind, you know, being more, uh, participating in it a lot more if there's a platform for them to brag about how good that they're doing. And if that creates like a little challenge between neighborhoods or between states, I think that's a great thing. I mean, as America, we love competition. competition yeah. Oh, they love it. They love it. We did a, uh, for Green Purpose, the company I own, we did a uh, race for zero waste competition where we got these big fortune 500 companies to compete against each other in a friendly way uh over six months from national recycling day to america recycle day um or i mean from earth day to america recycle day and they all competed who could increase their recycling rates the most and like to see how competitive they got but to do it for a good cause was incredible right and they really stepped up their game to be the best one that recycled the most over the six month period. It, it is, was cool. Yeah, that is, I mean, it, that is encouraging to hear. And recycling, more on the point of it, it's such an, it's such an easy thing to do, right? Like, it seems so minuscule and it's the difference of having a separate bin to mm-hmm. put glass in. So I'm one of those people who's like, how can you not, right? How, but I understand that there is, you know, still some hesitation around it, whether it, it is just maybe a little too much of an inconvenience. I personally don't think it is, but I, I mean, don't. There is that there is that way of thinking. Yeah, no. So I mean that that is a hurdle to, to overcome. Actually last night I went to Blues on the Green, which is um, hosted by the city or one of the local radio stations at Silver Park, and I live up a on South Congress Mm -hmm. and I thought I'm gonna be on this podcast tomorrow that's gonna be relatively about sustainability so I thought why not just walk home I haven't been really I haven't really taken a good look at the city and uh, the Barton Springs area and South Congress area are really historic and prominent parts of the city so I decided to take a walk home and one thing that I always really appreciate about Austin, which is very apparent when you're just walking through, is the cleanliness of the city. Yeah. Austin has one of the cleanest downtown districts in the United yes, States. They do. And it really, um, just a sim- simple things as simple as that are what make the community say, hey, we can buy into this. Like, we can make this happen. It's so much more pleasurable to take a 30 minute walk at night when you don't see trash on the ground. And that, really lifts people's spirits up because that's a community effort right Mm -hmm. if if the collective community can be clean then why can't you as an individual so just things like that i walked by the austin energy building and i looked over and the front even the front windows to that 
building are so clean. Yeah. I was like, this is, maybe I'm romanticizing the, <laughs> the notion that Austin is a very clean city, mm-hmm. but it is true. It's just, it really is um, a pleasurable place to live in terms of uh, cleanliness. And I mean, of course, there's trash places, but overall, it is, um, it's really good about setting the tone. The, the city is good about setting the tone, I think, on uh, the way they want to keep the lifestyle of this place. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think they're definitely on track to doing some really great things with it. And yeah, I mean, obviously I notice that kind of stuff wherever I go, no matter where in the world I am. So I'm very observant of the waste streams and all the cities I've visited. And so, yeah, I think Austin does do a good job of, you know, setting that prestige about it. Now, I, I definitely think there's room for improvement. Oh, but, yeah. But I agree with what you're saying, yeah. I wonder how much trash and recycling was generated last night at that Blues on the Greens event. I mean, I heard there was like 10,000 people there. Probably. I mean, I feel like the first time I crazy. went, there was like 200. Right, and then right. I just walked in and I've was heard over the last four years, it's just... Well, and Austin's the fastest growing city in the United States right. three years in a row. I mean... It's, it's it's like the people, the culture, you know, we're all, I feel like, headed in the right direction. And if there's one community that can really go above and beyond, it's definitely Austin. Mm-hmm. It's just, I feel like it's definitely somewhat the people's responsibility to take the reins and, and carry it through. And that, that kind of brings up um, one of the points made at the Solar uh, Austin happy hour that mm-hmm. we were at where they're proposing making these home any new homes built right um, they have to be able to adapt or um house solar panels like the right the, the way the houses are architected they have to be able to have solar panel on them at mm-hmm. some point so um as it was pointed out at the event people are hardly buying houses to live with them for the rest of their lives these, right. these days yeah ever so why not take the extra step of allowing your the next homeowner, renter, leaser, um, to put a solar panel on your house just by taking a simple measure when you're when you're building it? Right, right. right. I totally agree with that, and I think that's the smartest thing. I mean, I feel like Dave Dixon, who's been on the podcast before, uh, who's with Native Solar, you know, he did a really good job of explaining sort of that and. They went through all the different aspects of, right. you know, sort of how that's going to affect people, and I don't know. I felt like it was pretty informative. I, yeah, they they really were informative. It was advanced. <laughs> it was a little over my head in certain parts, but it was still informative. Well, residential uh, rooftop solar was super. Uh, Austin was really into it when it okay. first came out. Like it, people were ready because of the community, and those right. people yeah. are here, right? If they're going to be anywhere in Texas, they're probably going to be in Austin. And so, yeah, there has been a little bit. Uh, it has slowed down a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think it also that really has to do with you know the cost of it. So okay. the cheaper it becomes, the more widespread it can be. But also, you know, taking steps like making sure the homes can even have solar panels on them. It's that all-inclusive approach that the people who are working on local legislation regarding solar um, that they have that's going to help the city really um, leverage uh, rooftop solar. Yeah, well, and I feel like it's the same thing with, you know, internet coaxial cables. Like, when did that become a mandatory thing 
you know, people thought the internet was a fad. They thought it was a joke, like it was here for a little bit and it was going to go and nobody wanted to make people install coaxial cables or Cat5 or whatever, whatever internet thing, you know, but it's like they did because, let's be honest, no matter what, moving forward, everybody's going to have internet. Like, right. that's just a, a thing that we should all kind of accept. <laughs> so, you know, what was it that finally put them over with that? Can we apply that to these kind of rules? I don't know. That's how I sort of think about things. Yeah, I mean, I, it's certainly an interesting approach to take. It, again, renewable energy, I mean, it's it hopefully just going to be widely adopted and, and more integrated into our systems as, as we move forward. And you can either sit and twiddle your thumbs or you can mm -hmm. hop on the train and be proactive about how we're going to make this work. Because it, we have... We have to make it work. I mean, um, Austin has the goal to have net zero emissions by 2050. That's, that's be, a crazy ambitious goal. That's got to be collective effort. It I has think. to be. There's no other way we can get there. Yeah. I feel. And it's, but it's also, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying everybody needs to go put a solar panel no. on top of their house. So not by any means, but it's. It's walking or, or taking the bus or riding your bike. I know Austin is taking measures to increase bike lanes, improve sidewalks, mm -hmm. um, increase bike, bike sharing. Right. Just They're definitely to... not increasing the traffic flow. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. for sure. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's not going to be traffic. <laughs> yeah, but I know. Just it's simple things like that that, that will yeah. help contribute to the goal. You know, in carpool with people like yeah it's, it's simple things like that and i think the community really will be will respond and, and really try to help out with the goal so that i mean that's encouraging but like i said you can either sit you can sit around kind of wait or you can be proactive and, and really help make these things happen yeah and i think that's a responsibility not only for the community here but nationwide but also for more of the millennial generation is you know, it sort of teeter-totters of who's in control. Yeah. I think that's something really important. So, you know, one thing I like to do on the podcast before we end it is give you an opportunity to ask any question to the audience. You know, if there's a million people that were going to answer your question, what question would you ask them? I think right now, and my interest in customer engagement would be what social media platform would you be most interested to see your local utilities harness and use to engage with you? I think that the answer to that question could bring so many benefits to so many people. Mm -hmm. And if we can just, if you have a voice and an opinion on that, just just say something. Like we need, we need to know your opinion in order to make things better. So. If you have an answer to that question, please let us know. And, it's an excellent question. And, and I strongly encourage everyone listening to be more vocal about issues regarding electricity and water and gas um, to whoever it may be that you feel can make an impact because you just have to say something. You know, really, it's getting to the point where you just need to speak up because they want to know. They want. They want to hear these things. They want to make improvements. Um, the industries and, and they have to get feedback um, from customers so I guess that that would be my question that's an excellent question and I'm really impressed that you did it on the spot like that thank you thank you so much Aaron you've been wonderful and uh, 
appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time.